This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sacramento. Three on one. Spagley the step. Spagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. See Fox scores five in the open court. It's into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the King Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we usually do. How are you doing, Rich? Uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm getting by. I am uh, hanging in there. How, how are you, Brendan? I am, yeah, doing the same, man. I'm keeping myself a little bit busy. And uh, we got someone on today who is, we'll just come out and say it's my father, but he tells me I'm adopted all the time, and sometimes I like to roll with that. So depending on how the conversation goes, we might end up sticking with that one. Um, but, Dad, I'll let you describe your position in the hospital because we kind of have you on here to talk about the obviously whole coronavirus situation going on and we're not going to talk about it too much on the show but since it's so relevant and just happened um yeah you can explain your sort of uh relationship with how you're dealing with it in the hospital sure so um i've been a respiratory therapist for almost 30 years now and what a respiratory therapist is, is we primarily work in the emergency departments and um, in critical care. So when we're talking about the COVID-19 patients, when, when a patient changes from a flu-like symptoms to life-threatening symptoms, they end up on life support, and that's where I come in. I work very closely with the intensivist or the, the physicians that's responsible for that to do our best to maintain their oxygenation and their ventilation to keep them alive as they try to fight this virus off and hopefully uh, have them go home at some point. Um, I, like I said, I've been doing this for about 30 years. I'm the director. Uh, I've been in a director role, a leadership role within the hospital for probably 20 of those years. So I have a team of about 75 therapists that answer to me, and um, I also participate in various committees associated with this uh, within our organization to talk about not just how we're dealing with this today, but how we're dealing with it from a surge plan perspective. And that's kind of what you and I were talking about this weekend, son. And that was when the conversation came about where you said this might be a, a, a good amount of information to kind of share to your to your audience. So here we are. Yeah, so obviously, um, to bring it into the perspective of this particular podcast, um, I mean, first of all, we don't really need perspective. If you're a human being, you know, this matters to you. But uh, from an NBA lens, obviously, games have been shut down. And I think, you know, a lot of what we're hearing is about flattening the curve, right? Mm -hmm. Is that 
would you mind kind of explaining what that is and, and how that relates to, you know, you, you mentioned life support and it's kind of about a, a, the number of beds and the number of people like yourself that can care for those who get infected. Yeah, that, that's I, in a nutshell. That's that's kind of what we're we're trying to accomplish. I guess the probably the best analogy is if you've gone to the grocery store in the last couple of days, and God forbid you tried to find some toilet paper for toilet paper reasons, you can't find it anywhere. Well, now take that analogy and put it into a hospital and into a critical care setting, and all of a sudden we have this huge surge and need for critical care beds, critical care staff, critical care equipment. And so the way that this really the first infection of COVID-19 wasn't until January 19th. And look at how exponentially fast this has grown. And the mortality on this is significantly higher, at least initially, than the flu. Now, I understand you know, we can debate all, all we want about we don't have enough test kits, so we don't know what the statistics are. But either way, this is a very strong strain. And the amount of patients that potentially could require life support we do not have enough of these um, vital pieces of equipment to to meet the demand if we don't flatten out this curve. And the best way to do that is to back off on social um, interactions and to not allow the ability for us to cross-contaminate one another. It's difficult. It's obviously changing a lot of things. You know, I was talking to Brendan this weekend. You know, I have um, his little brother is four years old and. We don't have any daycare, and so it, it changes the way that, that we have to do certain things, and, you know, everybody's dealing with that. So, obviously, no social events, no basketball, no no soccer, no football. You know, I know baseball's changing everything, and so, but that's what we have to do, you know, and, and uh, it's a sacrifice for all of us to get to where we need to go. Yeah, and I guess we could get into a little bit of people start to exhibit symptoms. What what do you think they should do in those cases, and what sort of symptoms do they need to see in order for it to be serious enough where it's like, all right, I should get myself to the hospital? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, son. So under that premise, I'll say that you're not adopted at this very moment. <laughs> so um, if you're if you're having normal flu-like symptoms, and what I mean by normal is the body aches, the the sniffles, the, the headaches, um, things like that. You have shivers. That's one thing. But when it transfers to the point where you become short of breath and you're having trouble just walking from the bedroom to the bathroom or you're having trouble, you're coughing so much that you can't get anything out and it causes shortness of breath, that's the differentiating factor because now all of a sudden your lungs are now filling up with fluid and it's interfering with your ability to get the oxygen from the lungs into the blood. And that's the crisis tipping point, what we're talking about when you go from, you know, you got a regular flu, you know, a 20-something-year-old young man, young woman is able to navigate this versus a 60-year-old that doesn't have the capacity to deal with those changes and is going to need potentially life support. And that's why the CDC came out with the recommendations that they did today. Right. And, you know, you've mentioned uh, the older demographic and, you know, I know that people that are immunocompromised are obviously especially at risk. 
Um, yeah, my mother is immunocompromised and is in that age range. Um, what do you, I mean, you know, it's out there. We're not asking you to break any news or suggest anything people You're haven't right. already heard. But, mm-hmm. you know, as far as how how isolated should we all be? Should I, you know, not see my mother at all? Should I uh, not see anyone at all? Should I not see anyone my own age if possible? Should I, you know, what what other precautions, I mean, what are the precautions that are recommended right now out there? Yeah, I I think from my perspective, um, a couple things. One, it's within reason. It's not gathering in larger groups. So, you know, especially, I'll tell you, from my perspective, uh, I'll, I'll be checking on my dad on a regular basis, and he's in that demographic as well. Um, is there a potential that, you know, I could be bringing something over? Yes, but I think it's smaller in comparison to him or your mother, for that matter, going going out into a larger group. I would recommend if you have the capacity, you know, do the do the shopping for your, your parents or your mother. You know, try to keep her as... Um, limited from group settings as possible because it's not just about being in contact with people it's if you have a large group of people that were at a grocery store just a little bit before you and perhaps they sneezed and you have the virus now on the counter you know she's dealing with the cash register she's dealing with the pen pad for the atm all of those things if not wiped down properly are potentially contagious so that's the other thing that we're identifying is that this is a a strong um, organism that can live on hard surfaces long enough that just because, you know, somebody's not around you doesn't mean that you can't potentially be exposed. Right. And I mean, I'm not trying to spend the entire time necessarily going into this. So I want to ask, I want to transfer into something else, but is there any other points that maybe Rich you want to ask or dad that you want to get in here? I think the one thing that I would I would add is you know there's this is obviously when this first came out I was I was telling people that when they were calling me is you know everybody don't panic this is very much like the flu and everything but it's it's obviously not it's um, the coronavirus is a variant of a virus that that we're familiar with but this is the first time that we've dealt with this strain and it's um, it's taxing the system. So we all have to be very vigilant. But the one thing that I would also say is that there's a lot of hysteria that's out there. And so really to look for the best source of truth, go to the cdc.gov. That's your ultimate source of truth over Fox News or CNN or or your local news. I mean, they have good information. But CDC is the no-nonsense is telling you exactly, and it's driving this entire process. That would be my recommendation. If you've never gone to that site, it's – it's very straightforward, and it has great information regarding this. There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us. The last thing I want to throw in here, Rich, what was the first jersey that you had? Ever? Yeah, we've talked about this. Rich, so, Rich grew up a Warriors fan, too. It's a Mookie Blowout nice. jersey. Nice. I knew I liked you. <laughs> it's a classic. Fantastic. With the Thunderbolts, you know. Oh, yeah. Of course. Well, so I'm, I would say, Rich, I'm probably just a little bit older than you. I don't know if you remember a player by the name of Sleepy Floyd. I don't. The, uh, you don't. Okay, so he predates Run TMC. So I'm not going to give you the year I was born, but let's just <laughs> suffice to say I, I've, I've been a Warriors fan for, for quite a while. And uh, I did my best to, to have 
Brandon following my footsteps. Yeah, what do you think about your, uh, your, your son here uh, with going to the Celtics during their big, their big three acquisition? I mean, he's admitted it's a bit of uh, bandwagonism, right? Well, yeah, there's, there's two sides to that coin, right? I, um, I appreciate his passion. I, I love that he's, he's running at something that, that he just, uh, he has the heart for and he has the drive to, to do what it takes to be successful. Um, the Celtics, I think, was kind of a cop-out, to be perfectly honest. His mother was a huge Laker fan. I'm a, a diehard Warrior fan. He didn't want to disappoint either one of us. I told him, you know, look, pick a team, man, move on. And lo and behold, we have some family in Boston. He goes, hey, look at that. I'll, I'll take them. I said, okay, I, you know, I can live with that. I have some family um, in Boston, actually. So um, it wasn't – Boston's not too far from my heart. You know, I'm kind of a little bit of a – a closet fan. And, and now with what you guys are doing, uh, you know, I'll confess, I, I'll read my Warriors news and I read the Kings because I, I'd like to be able to talk articulately with him about this. And he knows the stuff frontwards and backwards. I'm sorry to do yeah, that. You're, you're, just, you're just like my dad. My dad never watched basketball. He's been a big Niners fan, Giants fan his whole life, but mm-hmm. he is converted. He is fully, I mean, he's texting me throughout all of these, all the Kings games that were happening. Uh, and I think that's where we're headed to. I mean, I've been in Sacramento for seven, seven or eight years, something like that. Yeah. But uh, I think that that's the that's the best solution to all of this. Is we'll, we'll just we'll all become Kings fans. That's what I want. Is that that's that's it? Everybody drink the Kool Aid and move on. Yeah, the purple stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm. Uh, that, right there, you go. <laughs> you know, there was. I don't know if it's still around anymore, but there there was a drink called Purple Passion when I when I was a kid, and I see a distinct marketing opportunity here for you guys. Just so you know, <laughs> uh, you're being very it'll be fun to see what happens. You're being very generous right now, you, you crap on the kids well, all I, the I, time. Well, you know, but people are listening. You know, I I'd rather <laughs> not. You know, I'm supposed to pump you up in public. I'll I'll bash you down in private. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it. Thanks for, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Paul. All right, We're going to get to the meat of the episode here. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong, and you should know better. BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts, and esports is on the rise. I can't say I've never been into that. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Pretty sure the same dude wins every year, if I remember correctly. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. All right, and we are on to the next segment with just myself and Rich, and I totally screwed up. I lost this recording. I have been terrified since I started doing this that I would lose a recording, and it finally happened, Rich. We had this conversation. You didn't screw up. It's not your fault. It's just the the technological 
malfunction. Don't don't be so hard on yourself. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So we're re-recording this. We didn't have too much of like a serious conversation anyways. It was kind of loose. So you had said right before we press record here, if there was anyone to lose, it was this one. So not all too big of a deal, but we're going to redo this one here. And where do you feel like we should start, man? Yeah, so let's start off with just talking about this this season, this postponement. Um, you know, we did discuss it previously, and I think we're both in the camp of thinking that this season is probably probably over for the Kings. Um, we saw some stuff today come out. You know, Woj talking about how a mid to late June resumption of activities is probably a best case scenario. And I think that you and I both think the regular season is probably over. Yeah, that's uh, definitely what it's looking like here. And yeah, Woj comes out and there was a little bit of stuff that came out right after. So I guess it kind of works. The report that NBA owners and executives are preparing for a minimum three month hiatus, which I mean, we saw the stuff from the CDC saying that they were uh, looking to not have more than uh, 50 people together in a place for the next two months. So nothing too crazy, but three months is a good amount of time. Yeah, and it's, I'm, my assumption here is that they kind of just move on to to the playoffs with the current seeding. And, and we both mentioned that like it's not ideal. Like Sacramento had a chance of coming back, and so did New Orleans and in Portland, and you could throw San Antonio in there as well. But Memphis has a three-and-a-half game lead on this eight seed. So, I, I mean, it, it's not the it, – it's fairly likely that they were going to end up with it anyways. Like, these, this seeding, I, I don't feel terrible about having to just settle with these. Sacramento shouldn't have been so terrible to start the year, really, is what it comes down to. I agree, and I think that people are going to be angry at us for this take. I thought that one of us might have the opposite take and kind of we'd get to have that devil's, you know, at least devil's advocate argument of, you know, the Kings have been robbed sort of thing, but we don't feel that way. Um, It's really unfortunate because, I mean, you know, they were having a really good stretch, and it was absolutely possible, you know, absolutely possible, maybe a – 15, 10 to 20% chance maybe that they could have pulled it off. Uh, and we will never really know. Even if play is resumed, I don't think we'll know what would have happened in this situation. Players will come back from injury. Heck, you know, some players might even get injured in the off time. I, don't, I know it's like a silly thing to say, but um, like I saw our friend Brad like tweeted out who's the player most likely to get injured during the downtime, and then I saw someone like linked Hassan Whiteside doing some Snapchat <laughs> thing. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is super random, but do you remember I was just having this conversation over the weekend about the Monte Ellis accident about how he got injured moped. on a moped? Yeah. And when I was when I was young, really young, like my first big sports love was the San Francisco Giants. And Jeff Kent broke his wrist, like, in a motorcycle situation, I believe. Uh, or he, like, claimed he was washing his car, and it was like, I don't know how you, like, break right. your wrist washing your car. but Or was it, like, Bynum that got hurt bowling? I know he had a bunch of other, uh, previous stuff, but, yeah, I mean, anything could happen, right? Anything could happen. And, like, also, I think that if anything, if this season has taught me anything about, about 
sports in general, it's that momentum is probably underrated in my mind. Like, I underrate momentum because we saw it with this team. We really, really saw, like, momentum and chemistry. It sometimes means more than just, you know, who your best players are. And, like, the momentum, not only for the Kings, but for every other team in the league, is killed. Like, it's the momentum is done. Um, yeah. These teams will be coming back, like, different. Yeah, that definitely is going to be interesting. And and I think the point of, like, that is that the momentum at the end of this season for Sacramento was was headed in the right direction. And I think that Kings fans, if they have played their last games of this season, can leave and feel somewhat good about, like, heading into next year. Um, I mean, when you compare it to the guys around them, I still wouldn't say it's necessarily likely that they're – going to get that eighth seed, but I think that they were playing really promising basketball to close the year, and that leaves you with a little bit of hope heading into next year compared to if the season were to have ended earlier or you base it from the earlier stretch of play that was going on for the Kings. It definitely does. I mean, remember that day when the athletic report came out about Vlade on the hot seat and you know Buddy potentially being upset if he didn't get his starting job back? It seemed like things could have fallen apart completely, and yeah, they were really good following that. Um, you know, this season definitely has been like a crazy up and down roller coaster. I actually, if you don't mind me plugging my last piece for the Sacramento Bee, um, I did write about that. I wrote about how the Kings. Basically, it's everything's been up and down all year. And I want to just, if I can pull up the numbers, I want to highlight how a little, like how crazy it has been. So there's like, I think you can cut this season into, into four quadrants. And tell me if you've like noticed how crazy this is. So start off 0 and 5. Yep. And then the Kings you know, and, can't run with us from PJ Washington. 0-5, and, and then they go 12-9 and nine without Bagley and without Fox for almost all that time as well. So a huge turnaround there. Mm-hmm. And then they go 3-15. and 15. They include, So that's when Fox returned. They lost eight straight games and then continued to lose 15, uh, thir- yeah, 15 out of 18. And then they turned it around again. And let me see if I can find this last number here. Yeah, and then they went uh, thirteen and seven. Yeah, so I mean, like these are ups and downs, and ups and downs, and ups and downs. Yeah, and I mean, I'm glad to end on a high note, and really the the highest of them all. Like I, thirteen and seven is a very impressive stretch going on, and you're pretty healthy for the most part. I mean, aside from Bagley, who obviously is a major factor, but Bagley's been missing for most of the season. I mean, he's only 13 games, and obviously that hurts, but having a mostly full roster and some decent games, I mean, we've talked about the asterisks on on a good amount of them, like the Miami one, uh, the Clippers kind of just being an outlier shooting game and, and things like that, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you have a little bit of a good feeling going on, um, definitely heading into this year, and I, I never realized how much, I knew there were a lot of ups and downs, but you really can break it into those four segments that you laid out. Yeah, and you're right. There's, like, crazy stuff inside of that. Like, I think just the the way that Rashawn Holmes took off and the way that 
how good Rashawn Holmes was and how bad Dwayne Dedman was was like an yeah. insane situation. And then the fact that kind of like a lot of that turnaround was driven by Bazemore and Len. So like, weird. So why? Like, right. why did that happen? Right. And then like you the could whole, never yeah. have convinced me of that. Never. And then the whole body heel drama, like all of it, like nothing, nothing this season made sense. And it's just it's the last kind of, game of the year was the didn't put Buddy out there. Right. Right, and it's kind of fitting that, like, just the craziest season ended in the craziest way. It's just this season is going to be such a crazy asterisk on on everything. I, I don't know I don't know how to deal with it. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. Like, because they finished 13-7, and seven, you definitely feel better going into next season whenever that may be. And, and again, and, you know, maybe we're wrong. Maybe they just resume the regular season in June, and we'll deal with that when we come to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, who knows what's what's going to happen with this, obviously, unprecedented situation. Um, and we talked a little bit in the last recording of kind of what we're doing to fill this time with the whole hiatus and suspension going on. So we talked, you're playing a lot of 2K, and at some point we are going to draft different teams and, and compare the rosters and see what the listeners think of that. And I wanted to get this in the last recording, so somewhat happy that I that I somehow got lost and I get to get it out there now. Someone is playing a video game while they're listening to this right now. And I oh, want yeah. to know what they are playing. You need to tweet this at us. I'm very curious what people are playing. And I bet you a good amount of it's 2K. Yeah, please do send recommendations. I am kind of a sports – I mean, I mean that's no surprise. I'm the kind of a sports video game guy through and through. But uh, my lovely wife bought me a Switch not that long ago, and she got me Pokemon with it, which, like, I'm down for. I get it. Like, you know, I, I, I like Pokemon. I'm not, like, crazy into it, but – I like it, uh, but it's the only Switch game I have, so if you've got Switch recommendations. You mentioned Breath of the Wild, and you have to do that one. I think I do. I think that's got to be it, right? I mean, if you think that there's a game I should buy before Breath of the Wild, get at me, I suppose, but I think that is I think that is where it's headed. Do you, so you like sports games, but do you like, like, story games, too? I struggle with it. I, Breath of the only... open world. Like, you could follow a story, or you could do whatever you want. So I'm about halfway through Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, okay. Um, Is that good? It's very good. I definitely really enjoy it, but I I think I'm – I don't think I'm as good at open-world games as others. Like, I think other people get more immersed. I really loved – this isn't open-world, but Last of Us. Loved Last of Us. Um. I don't know that there's that many games outside of sports games that I truly loved, but those two are great. I just don't – I, like, so, like, I got Skyrim, you know, a long time ago, and I just couldn't, like, figure it out. Like, I got Fallout, and I'm like, oh, I need a little – need to be railroaded a little more in a certain direction. Right. Skyrim, I think, like, has a lot to it. I, I think Breath of the Wild is a little more simple. It definitely is very open world, and there's a lot of wandering to do, so – yeah, I don't know. You can get into different things, too. And and I mentioned I've gotten into Assassin's Creed recently, and that one's super open world as well. Um, I, like, played Assassin's Creed forever ago and then hadn't got one in a while and then got the newest one, and I was like, oh, my God, I forgot how great these games are. Um, but, yes, somebody is playing a video game right now, and I need to know what you're playing while you're listening to this. 
Also, if you play 2K, hit us up, and we'll okay. – we got both covered. Brandon is an Xbox guy. I am a PS4 guy. We'll smack you around real quick. We'll smack you around both ways. Well, Brandon will really smack you around. You told me that you were like – you got that – that what is it, a pink diamond Giannis? Yeah. going on? Damn right. I did. Yeah, finished all those challenges. That was a grind, fan. Got that. Wait, did you finish all of it? Is that how you get it? You get you get to finish all it's of it? It's like 17 challenges or something like that, and you have to get the whole set because I think that's the Kareem set. Um, you have to get the entire set of cards. Okay. And, like, this year was the first year where I really got into, like, flipping cards. You know, where you, like, sit there yeah. on the auction house and you're, like, just waiting for some cheap card to go up. Like, if a new uh, set drops, you buy the ones that are just going for super cheap, and then you sell them a couple weeks later for higher. You sound like uh, my brother-in-law in in real life who (laughs) works at a card shop, and, like, he sells, like, real card, you know, like, physical uh, cards. He's he's been doing it for a long time, and he's been doing it very – well, and it's, he actually quit like a uh, teaching job to like do more of it. Um, so he's he's been doing really well. I wonder, you know, with this current situation, he probably wishes he had the more secure job now. It's not trading in right and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, I, I actually had him uh, every time I every time I go out there to Texas where he lives. We go out and like get a bunch of packs of cards and open them and grade some of them. Um, I don't know if anyone is into that, but uh, I had a uh, graded a Darren Fox rookie card recently. That was okay. pretty cool. I mean, and you're on a freaking Harry Giles card. You just leave that out. I bought the one of one of that. I bought like there's the, only one. There's like the nicest. So there's a million of those, right? Oh, okay. okay. So all right, I know. I don't know why we're getting so off into the weeds here, but hey, listen, we're all a little bit insane right now it's cabin fever right. we'll get analysis later yeah feel free to edit all this out but um so like in in basketball cards there's really one like premier brand of card which is the prism and and then like you know within prism there's a million different like versions of each card like the base and like the silver which is like the holographic and then like it goes up even higher where it's like they start to become holographic, but then like colored. So it goes like, you know, I don't know, purple and blue. And then it goes all the way up to one of one black prism, which is like a holographic black. Okay. And it's just, they're one of one. And it's, it's like engraved with one of one. And it's super, it's like the most, it's the nicest card you can get of any card. Right, and I I bought that one of the Harry Giles one, and it's had got to. my name on it. Yeah, right. I it talks about me on the back, and I'm super stoked on that. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I don't blame you. You definitely have to. That is like cross that off the bucket list. It, you didn't even like know that was on your bucket list until it happened, and it's like wow, this is this is amazing. Can I tell you about the card I'm most excited about in terms of value? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, I got a, a uh, Devon. This is from last year. When I was out there in Texas, I got a pack of Prism and I got uh, a rookie card of Devontae Graham that was uh, of out of 75, which is pretty dope. And then I had it graded, and it's a perfect exact 10. Like, it's a perfect graded card. So I think is that, like, condition is the grading? Yeah. So, like, it's, okay. it's, like, encased in a plastic thing, and it's, like, graded as, you know, gem mint, like, pristine, whatever. Okay. 
So, it, and uh, just like like the Giles one I talked about, it's not rookie cards. So basically, you know, it's worth like whatever. But this thing, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about. I love Devontae Graham. Right, and he's blowing up. Might be most improved. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Huh. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else to go into here, man. We have a nine one six man um, segment coming up right after this, and we might try to get even more content out um, since I'm sure people are going to be looking for something to distract themselves with everything going on. So maybe we try to get a little bit more episodes going. But at very least, we're going to keep the three a week going on. Um, do you have anything else you want to throw in here, man? Before we go to Tark with the nine one six. We're definitely going to get into specific fun episodes of, like, you know, rank each player's season, maybe rank each player within their position throughout the league. You know, I think one you've mentioned, you know, is De'Aaron Fox, a top 10 point guard. We can break – we can, like, really get a full episode on that. We can rank, um, you know, our favorite games of the year, so on and so forth. But we are going to be bringing you Kings content. We know it's going to be tough um, without Kings games. Hopefully, you know, ho- you know. Hopefully, this will be fun to listen to. I think that maybe I know I'm listening to a lot more podcasts, quite honestly, because right. I'm stuck at home. So uh, we'll try to fill our time like that. And other than that, let me just say, um, Tark is uh, a friend of mine, and I'm glad that he is is on here. Um, you spoke with him this evening, not me, but. Um, Good kid, and uh, he's got uh, a radio show up in, in Auburn that he does as well. So, yeah, great guy, uh, good sports insights. So looking forward to that. Yeah, he definitely does a great job. You guys will hear that one in a second here. Um, and if anyone has any recommendations for what they want to hear or if they want to come on the show, I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot more 916-mans. I might try to figure out how we can do maybe like some call-in episodes, which which will be interesting. But we're, we're going to get an opportunity to play with a lot of different things. So if you have any recommendations, uh, send it to us on Twitter, at Kings underscore Pulse, or to Rich or I, and, and we'll definitely take a lot of things into consideration because we want to get content out there, partially because I have nothing better to do, to be honest, and I'm sure people are enjoying listening to it. Um, so any ideas that anyone has, definitely be sure to send them our way. And we appreciate you guys listening and supporting during this time with no NBA basketball going on for this foreseeable future. Everyone uh, stay safe, wash your hands, stay out of public public gatherings and all of that. And now we're going to transition over to the 916 Man segment with Tarek. All right, and we got another edition of the 916th man. On this one, we got Tariq Ansari at – I'm sorry, I said that wrong. We have Tariq Ansari. <laughs> <laughs> right after I clarified, too. At T-A-R-I-K-A-N-S. Uh, <laughs> we will start with how did you become a Kings fan, man? That's usually how I like to kick this off because sometimes it's as basic as you're from Sacramento and other times there's a little bit of an interesting history to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I gotta say um, that's not the worst pronunci- pronunciation of my name ever. I was called Twerk in middle school, so oh, trust wow. me. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No harm, no foul. And <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, you know, I will say, how did I become a Kings fan? It's interesting. Like, um, part of it was that you know I grew up in Roseville, and I've been here most most like in my entire life uh, so far. But um, the big reason why is because my parents when they were trying to decide what to name me, my mom really wanted to name me Kobe. 
And my dad, who was a big Kings fan, just would not have it. So I, that just that story made with us like for for um, for forever. And I thought, well, I can't be a Lakers fan. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. I was born to literally not be named uh, the the late great Kobe Bryant. Um, so I, I mean, I just uh, I just from there just became a Kings fan. And when I first started, they were really good, like in two thousand four, two thousand five. And I started as really young, obviously watching them. Uh, they were, um, you know, winning games. You know, they, like Mike Bibby was the guy. Uh, I can faintly remember Ron Artest being, um, being like being the guy. Uh, but then, you know, stuff happened, and I know, you know, stuff has still happened. I guess. So I guess that's a, it's a big summary of the last like 13 years. But that's uh, the story of how I became a Kings fan. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah, stuff has definitely happened, um, and <laughs> more stuff happened since that stuff happened, and we got to the point we are now. And what do you think of the stuff that happened so far in this season before they suspended it? Uh, Sacramento and, and closed it out with tied for the ninth seed, three and a half games behind the eighth seed, and kind of turned around the second half of the year. But how do you feel, kind of watching this season take place? Yeah, I mean. It was very much, uh, it, it was a very, I don't know, it was a hot and cold season. It felt very much like the, it was like um, the equivalent of a guy, like of like maybe somebody going on a walk and walking really, really slow and then sprinting and walking really, really slow. Like there was no consistency. That's the very easy way of saying it. Um, but it just, it felt like uh, just kind of strange. At some points, very sad. At some points, not very sad. Um, like just watching the team with so much like hope and hype, which has not been the case uh, for a, um, for I think a long time. Um, and it would just in the end, like when I look at the season, it's very hard to like summarize it. But I would say it's been it was intriguing. I'll put it that way. Like I still feel like they disappointed a bit. Like uh, what they did at the end of the year makes things uh, feel a little bit better. And I feel like the pieces they have now. Or the like the way they were performing is what we expected out of the team, which is great. But I felt like in general it's been a bit of a disappointment, but not as big as if like the season were to end in uh, say late January. Then then we'd all be sitting here looking at ourselves, going, uh, "Yeah, okay." Right. So yeah, that's that's my view on it. I, I honestly like I feel like Alex Len and Kent Bazemore were uh, the kind of contributors the Kings were expecting or the kind of numbers they got from them. Uh, they were looking for that from guys like Dwayne Dedman and Trevor Ariza, and I think they finally found that production just in different players. And I think that's great. Um, a little too late, but, you know, it um, It just, in general, it just was a bit disappointing, but, you know, not completely lost. Not completely uh, south, I guess, is what I, what I would say. Yeah, and you can't help but kind of think if they didn't have these cold stretches, then they might be comfortably really at least closer to fighting for that eight seed with Memphis. Uh, and, yeah, I never would have expected that Alex Len to be a upgrade over, over Dwayne Dedman. I was huge on Dedman over the offseason. So. But, yeah, I would agree those yeah. guys definitely turned it around. But now the season has come to a halt. They are suspended with this whole – quarantine situation going on with the coronavirus and the Rudy Gobert situation and the couple other players that have come down with it. So what are kind of your initial reactions to to this happening and what do you do to pass the time with no Kings basketball now, man? Yeah, it's um, it's been very hard to like t- put a grasp on this because not only do you like, because I mean, I'm 20, I'm not exactly the most experienced 
person in the world. But like, you know, my, my parents haven't been through, like my, my dad like was grew up in Lebanon and had like some issues in his home country, home country with uh, the civil war they'd have. And that's the only thing that's somewhat comparable, but that's, uh, that's a, a different situation. Like what we're going through, like not just in sports, but in general, it's a, uh, it's very unique. And I guess, um, with sports being lost, I mean, I find myself like watching a lot of, um, a lot of like highlight videos or, um, or things like that. Like I keep going back to John boy, that's baseball. I know that, but like John boy, his like breakdowns. Um, those are really cool. Um, I'll actually, I'll occasionally like listen to, um, or re-listen to some podcasts, you know, I put on some Kings polls on occasion, read some articles. Um, you know, just, it's just like kind of like go back and try to, you know, remember some things. But uh, as of like and other stuff, like I mean, I just I listen to more vinyl now. I just bought MLB the Show. I mean, that's that's okay. uh, just trying to you know hold on to as much as I can. The first thing I'll do is I'll you know pitch inside to every single asteroid. Right, right. Uh, Being everyone. Right, pretty much everyone. Yeah, and then I mean the video games, and then just uh, just like, going on walks. You know, just like doing the most that like I can to like uh, just like kind of say somewhat of somewhat as happy as you can because this is not exactly the most happiest time on earth because literally the happiest place on earth is you know closed so yeah it, you know it's like uh, you, you just gotta you gotta stay positive about it you know like it it is a very low chance that this will last forever so you just got to keep in my opinion you got to keep your head up and realize you know what if and when the kings come back you know they've got Alex Lynn and Kent Bazemore and De'Aaron Fox and, and Buddy Buckets and um, Bogey and blah, blah, and, and maybe even Bagley. Maybe Bagley gets to recover. I mean, who knows? Yes, the positive. We could see Bagley against the Pelicans the next time we watch him. I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's all I can really say. <laughs> yeah, and okay, so we're going to keep putting out content while this happens because, like you said, I mean, people need a distraction. Honestly, I don't know what else to do with myself. Um, so I'm going to throw you a hypothetical here because I think it's a chance that this actually happens in this off season with the whole buddy not okay. being happy with coming off the bench. Um, and my understanding is obviously Bogdanovich would prefer to start as well as I'm sure most NBA players would. If you had to choose in this coming off season, would you rather keep Buddy Heald or Bogdan Bogdanovich? Oh boy, that's, that's a toughie because... I, I really do feel like both skill sets are there. I mean, they're different skill sets, but like uh, they both end up, I feel like having almost equal value uh, for different reasons. They are not the same player, but they both are very valuable to the Kings. But I would have to say, um, I do think, I think bogey. And I hate to say this because I, I know like I, I get the feeling buddy's going to listen to this and go, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I just, I, I lean a little more, more towards Bogdanovich. Um, they will miss the three-point shooting if they lose Buddy. But Bogey has a way of, you know, like leading that floor. And I still feel like he hasn't hit his uh, he hasn't hit his ceiling yet. And he's able to man um, the two, the two and the three fairly well. Um, and I I feel like he could go out there and um, in a situation where it's needed when uh, Fox and uh, and Joseph are, you know, if they're if they're not there or like or you know he could also go down and man the one for an amount of time and he seems like someone who can I see him more as a leader than uh, than Buddy at least, like honestly and I know he doesn't have the three point um, shooting consistency that Buddy Heald might have but 
overall, I just like Bogey a little bit more. Uh, I just feel like they can go a little farther um, with Bogdanovich uh, in the long run. But it's a tough decision. I have to say, like, it, it would still pain me to lose a heel. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you here. Um, I, I would I would stick with Bogey as well. I just think he's more versatile, has less less weaknesses. He doesn't have that same like elite strength of shooting as Buddy does. Um, but I don't know, yeah. it's a little bit of like the attitude and stuff that comes out from Buddy. I think that factors in a little bit, and I think there's a good chance yeah. that, that is uh, kind of what happens this off season. And do you, do you have a favorite guy on the roster? Do you have a favorite king? Is it Buddy, and then you just kick him out? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, sorry, buddy. Right. No, but uh, it's uh, it's not it's not, buddy. I mean, there's not really a king I truly hate now that Kali Stein is gone. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> but I had to. It's it's tough because um, you know it's like I mean the, the easy favorite is Harry Giles, and I think everybody will say Harry Giles, and I know Rich will say Harry Giles, and for good reason. Um, in a way, he was Harry Giles was his best man. In a way, um, but I would I honestly have to go with De'Aaron Fox. Like his just his story, not just his play on the court. We've seen him go out there. I mean, like I mean, there was a point like in that in that run where the Kings were doing really well, where he had like I don't know how many consecutive games where he was the, the team's leading scorer, like um, like like four or five or something like that. Like he was he's a great player on the court, but. You know, when he gets drafted and, you know, and how everybody's talking about Lonzo over him and, you know, they're talking about Markel Fultz and, you know, that rivalry with him and Lonzo. And let's be fair, Fox in that top five is arguably the best player, and he is not arguably better than Lonzo Ball. And just the – and we know that we haven't seen the best from him yet. And he's just – he's fun to watch. He's a leader on the court. Uh, He he has a lot of passion, and he's just – he's fun. You know, he's one of those fun players in the NBA that I'm – I'm really surprised, even though he plays for, you know, a small market team or whatever Yespin calls it, that he doesn't get more attention than he does. Uh, so that's why he's my favorite. But a lot of big favorites on the team. Bazemore is really uh, living, up to, uh, living up to love, I have to say. Yeah, I can't blame you with the Fox pick. That's probably where I would go as well. I mean, he's just, like, electric. And I agree with you. It's surprising he doesn't get more coverage. Like, I think if Sacramento was a little more successful this year, they were the ones in that eight spot that maybe he'd be seeing it and getting a little bit more love. Um, but I don't know. From the people that watch it, I, I think he, he gets his respect. And yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole Lonzo situation with the, the quote from his dad, the, my son already ate his ass up twice. Um, yeah, they definitely, <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, they definitely yeah. got a little situation going on there that adds a little bit of the fun, and especially when Lonzo was a Laker. So. Yeah, yeah. If, if Alex Caruso gets – all this coverage on like, the ESPN app. Where the heck is De'Aaron Fox and all this? Let, let, let's be fair for a second. Like that, I always like, amuse myself when I see, hey, look, Carmelo Anthony got a bucket. Put that on there. Right. <laughs> like what? Oh man, but you know it is what it is. Hate, haters be hating. You know, Sacktown. You know, yeah, outlets to prove they're good because um, uh, Kings players, you know, Kings fans, they know it. They repost it. Yeah, we're we're what they like to call chilling. <laughs> yeah, we'll be here to post the, the, the Aaron highlights. That's for sure. Um, oh yeah. Is there, is there anything else you want to throw in here, Tark? I'm seeing in your bio you got a podcast going on, man. Anything you want to promote? Anything like that? 
Yeah, actually, uh, there is a sports podcast that I will be doing, but actually I don't want to promote that at the moment because I'm still building that up and um, getting experience there. And also, this isn't exactly the best time uh, to be talking sports. Like, we're ta- what we're talking here, this is pretty <laughs> fresh. It feels good. But, like, I'm going to be struggling in a few weeks. But I do do another uh, podcast. P- podcast. Podcast. That's right. Money from Cop Podcast now. Uh, podcast uh, that is actually a music-based one. And this is actually in this time where we're all like being asked to stay inside and literally we're prohibited from going to clubs and bars. Um, but it's a, it's a music podcast called uh, sounds good. And what it is is basically we take a lot of Sacramento area indie bands and we have them in this recording studio space and we record them on, um, like live like on video and um, on audio. So people who want to listen on like Spotify or that, they can do that. People who want to watch it on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever it be, they can do that as well. And then in between uh, these bands set lists that they play, uh, I interview them and, you know, what's the origin of the band, you know, and all that. And it ends up being uh, about like 45 minutes to an hour of um, really, really good music. Like I'm telling you, a lot of people don't realize how great this Sacramento indie scene is. Like, they've got a lot of really impressive bands that people don't know about, and we're getting them exposure, and uh, the hope is, like, we're going to keep doing this, uh, like, hopefully every two weeks uh, in this terrible uh, COVID-19 crisis we're having, and it's really to bring the live shows and live atmospheres uh, to a platform that is safe, and uh, and it allows this live music um, aesthetic to stay alive in a time where we can't have uh, live shows. So we're really trying to push this podcast. Sounds good. Uh, it's sounds good with Tarkin. Sorry, as if I'm some household name or something like that. Like people can't even pronounce my name. Let's be <laughs> fair. Uh, not just you, everybody. But like, no, it's um, it's something that we want to um have be big, not just for our you know popularity or all that, but so that people can really enjoy like live music and enjoy a live atmosphere uh from from their phone and or from their you know computer. In this kind of time, so um, I, Brendan, I hope you check it out. I hope all of you listeners on King's Pulse uh, check it out. Uh, it's uh, you know just something to uh, to bring you a smile and what is a um, well, what does King's fans like to call dark days? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea for a show, man. I will definitely be checking it out and promoting it. Let me know anytime anything comes out, and uh, I'll be sure to help you push it. And yeah, I mean, you sound. You sound comfortable. I got to say, there's definitely people that we bring on here and they sound very uncomfortable and nervous and, and you're going smooth and well-spoken and everything. So I'm sure you do a great job well, over I there. That. Anytime I can push it, man, let me know. Um, and yeah, thanks again, Tarek, for coming on. That's Tarek and Sari. Um, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. You're here from us again in the next couple of days.